the Desert Ranch Podcast is brought to you from Indian Springs Working Ranch, located in the beautiful Peloncillo Wilderness Mountains of Eastern Arizona. Indian Springs Working Ranch provides guests with an authentic working ranch experience. Guests will herd cattle on horseback, repair fences, and live as real ranch hands do. Check it out at www.indianspringsworkingranch.com. Also brought to you by Our Lazy J Wildlife Ranch, an education and conservation breeding ranch in Eager, Arizona. Get up close and personal with more than 56 species from around the world. Encounter sloth and lemur, cheetah and clouded leopard, as well as many types of hooved, feathered, and scaled wildlife on the web at ourlazyjranch.com. Today's Desert Ranch podcast is brought to you by Roar Zufari, located in Vienna, Virginia. Known as Fairfax County's largest petting zoo, Roar Zufari's goal is to connect families and animals and create awareness, understanding of wildlife and the environment in which it lives. The 30-acre family-owned zoo is located at 1228 Hunter Mill Road in Vienna, Virginia. Visitors are offered a Zufari tour, walking tour, camel rides, and the zoo features a large walk-in parakeet aviary, magical butterfly gardens, and numerous memorable opportunities to get close to animals of all sizes. On the web at www.roarsufari.com, also on Instagram and Facebook. Welcome to the Desert Ranch Podcast with Vanessa Rohr. Vanessa and her guests will give you some insight into the lives of those who are keeping us from being naked, hungry, and thirsty. Now, here is your host, Vanessa Rohr. Welcome back to the Desert Ranch Podcast. We are broadcasting today from the headquarters of the Indian Springs Working Ranch in San Simone, Arizona. And my guest today is our good friend Didi. Hey Vanessa. <laughs> How you doing Didi? <laughs> pretty good. Pretty good. <laughs> so it's it's so good to have uh, Didi back here in Arizona. Um, Didi's a good friend of my husband Jacob Rohr and uh, Didi can you tell us a little bit about um, your first trip to Arizona and how you ended up here? Yes I was um uh, in the beginning, I was a sailing teacher working uh, uh, in Europe, you know, in Belgium. And um, life, sometimes life is not easy, so I had some personal problems over there. And then uh, um, I were going to divorce, and then uh, I was really bad. So a friend of mine um, called me, and then he said, if you need to have some rest in the U.S., you can come at the uh, You could come, uh, you know. At this place, so um, I started like this, and I came here and I took my passport, and then and I came here. And then first of all, uh, I went to Jim's place, Jim Spelling, you know, and uh, this was a really hard time too. So I stayed there over just four days because oh, it was so hard for me. And what was what was hard? Was it? I mean, the work or the environment, the weather? You know, that's a bit of everything because. Um, um, in that kind of society, we're not used to have that kind of life because everything is sweet, even the breakfast, you know. <laughs> uh, so uh, everything's supposed to be sweet, nice car, nice place, nice, nice home. 
and nice food and everything. And then the first time when we I, I arrived at that place, everything was hard. So no breakfast or just meat. And uh, <laughs> yeah, was, everything was heavy, everything was hard. The desert, the weather, the wind, and the cows, the horses. God damn. <laughs> <laughs> it was a hell of a day. <laughs> so, you know, it's uh, kind of interesting because... Um, you have two solutions. If you break out, you said that's not for me, or you let it go. And if you let it you go there, um, it's making it dismantling you a bit, mm -hmm. or not a bit completely, and then it's restructuring you after that mm -hmm. uh, with new new values, no no new way of looking at things, and uh, and uh, it's changed me for a lot. Yeah. And so you, um, was it a dude operation that you started with or you started nope. somewhere else? No, no, I was just um, starting at um, Breaking Horse at uh, Jim Spillen's place. Um, and uh, so that was hard, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I came back to Rosie's Ranch at Heifer's Ranch in Wurkenberg. And there I met uh, Jacob. She said, they told me, okay, if you want to work with me, or for me, that's okay. So I started like this, you know. Yeah. <laughs> that's what we call baptism by fire. Yeah, indeed. He told me, he asked me, how many times you stay there? He said, for four, four days. He said, well, that's not bad because usually it's three days for everybody. That's very good. <laughs> and that was at Rosie's at the Ephus Ranch? Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> The Cowboys only last about three days? Yeah, yeah, indeed. <laughs> So how long did you stay in the United States that first time of crafting your cowboy Three months, education? you know, we have all the time this kind of a visa problems. That's so you want to stay more, you can't. Mm -hmm. So I stayed for a bunch of three months, first three months. And um, after that, I wouldn't go back at home. Yeah. <laughs> so this is your first time in Arizona, your first time on the ranch and, and learning the cowboy way. Yeah. What are some of the, what did, what did your day look like, um, you know, at Rosie's or I think you guys did some work away from Rosie's as well. Yeah. Let's say we were working quite hard, checking cows and uh, taking dudes outside of the ranch because she made that kind of activity too. Um, so we were busy all day long. Um, but... It's part of your life, so it doesn't matter, you know, you are, you, are, you are waking up at 5 or at 4 in the morning because of the heat, and then uh, that's okay. So that was our, my first job. Mm -hmm. And so you're, you're getting up early, and then you're, you guys are, are you fixing fence, and you're yeah. br branding and roping? Yeah, all those kind of stuff, you know. That's a... That's a, the, yeah, in Europe, I told them, you know, a cowboy way of working is not only riding horses or chasing cows in the pasture. That's also a complete work at the ranch. You, you need to take care of the facilities and, uh, and, and, and feeding the horse and the, the feeding the cow, giving some souls and everything. So it's not just riding horses, and that should be in their mind, you know. Mm -hmm. So you did three months in Arizona, hard time. Yeah. <laughs> Not, <laughs> not so hard, you know. After after a bunch of ten days, I was really good. So, of course, it's it's quite different. Everything should seems to be tough, rough and tough. But uh, if you like that, you should get a pleasure of it because if you don't, you quit immediately, you know. Right. And I was lucky because uh, 
um, uh, Jacob's Ward father took took really care of me, and I will always remember that. Um, sorry, was some bit of emotion in my voice. Yeah. Um, so first time we went to a ranch, and um, the, the rancher was talking to him. I said, uh, "I don't want to pay for this guy because he's not efficient." He said, "You know, we you pay for the old crew of who are quitting." Shame. So that was um, just making me really happy and touched me a lot. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, Billy is such a great guy, and and um, yes, yes. I think that too, to an extent, is the cowboy way. Also, like you yeah. know, we're the package. And uh, yeah, that's probably um, the most important thing. Uh, say that again in that kind of period. You know, if most of people are more concerned about what you have the last phone of you don't. Um, that's another kind of values. We don't care if you're rich. We don't care if you make many studies. We don't care about we don't care about all those things. We just need to know if you are ready to do the job and take care of each other because it's a hard job. It's a team working. So we need to be to be good together. And then that's a human values that uh, mm-hmm. seems to be disappearing. So yeah. So you had these skills that you acquired after three months Mm -hmm. and and it's and i know from talking to jacob like you were a quick learner you were like you were a very good student and Mm -hmm. you were roping calves and and dragging them to the fire and uh you know doing all the things that a that a good cowboy should be able to do yeah and you go back to France, and then yeah. what happened? Or no, you went back to Belgium. Yeah, I went back to Belgium first. So I was at, I was at that time I was sailing teacher, and I had my own sailing school, and I was managing a lake and everything. So, but uh, um, part of my job was really um, good. I but that's the that's the environment I get a. Uh, over there, I get a sport car, good apartments, and everything. So, but it's. It's not corresponding to me anymore. Mm-hmm. So I <laughs> sold everything. Mm-hmm. And then I uh, tried to search to reproduce what I had here um, in Europe because I have a daughter. So mm-hmm. so I tried to reproduce it. And in Belgium, was not, that was impossible. The land was too, too, too expensive. There were some other problems with Belgium too, right? With, it, with regards to, um, you know, trying to replicate the Western method of, of taking care of animals. Yeah. What were those problems? Uh, you have, you know, um, that's uh, the animal welfare is interfering all the time. And um, sometimes for good reason. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's managed by people that don't even know what to do or what a cow is or what a horse is or mm-hmm. whatever, you know. Um, so it's quite difficult to... To tell them how to how we need to proceed and uh, if the ho- if the cow is okay with that or not, but uh, yeah, it's quite a. Because you weren't allowed to rope an animal around the neck in Belgium, is that <laughs> how it was? Let's say for sports, it's forbidden. Mm-hmm. Sp- but I talked to to those guys, um, uh, vet v- vet control and so, so and some kind of stuff like this. I said, okay, what what do we do now? But if it's for um, a vet concern, you can do it. Mm, okay. So I uh, said, so okay, because if I have a cow in the middle of the pasture, what am I going to do? Yeah. I'm not going to chase here, her all around. Here, Bessie, come on, let's go. Yeah, Walk yeah. This way. So come with me. Pet, pet the cow and then ask her to come. Yeah. So, yeah. But um, 
that's a problem. But it's also a problem of horses too, you know. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's become really weird because people are not used to an animal anymore. Mm-hmm. They are confusing or misunderstanding what a cow is or what a horse is. Mm-hmm. They are, those are animals, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, they are supposed to stay animals. You know, what's crazy is um, in Colorado, my one of my previous guests, Dr. Rosemary Nicoletta was explaining, they tried to pass a law in Colorado that said, I mean, essentially it said you couldn't do a pregnancy check, you couldn't do artificial insemination, and probably couldn't even castrate, um, whether it was a livestock animal or even a pet. And the way they worded that, which was completely perverted, um, they, they tried to pass a law saying that you couldn't penetrate the genitals or the anus. Like, if you don't know uh, livestock or veterinary care in general, you'd go, oh my God, of course, we don't want anybody penetrating <laughs> this sort of thing. But, you know, for those people that are in industry, they understand how critical it is to be able to do those sorts of husbandry, basic husbandry things. So that's too bad. Um, so you decided based on the land price and and that uh, culture that you weren't going to look at Belgium for whatever idea was formulating in your head. Um, in the beginning, I was saying... I was saying, okay, I'm going to try some find some some lands in Belgium and I preserve my job as a sailing teacher because it's going to bring me some money in. But uh, it was impossible because mm-hmm. the price of the land is really really high for an acre. For now, for an acre, it's about thirty thousand euro. You know. Yeah, that's a that's, lot. That's a lot of money. Yeah, when you're talking about, you need enough land to yeah, have sure. some animals on. Yeah, yeah, and that's complicated also because all big. Uh, ranch or uh, all big farms you know they own everything so we have that kind of problem too in uh, in france or in belgium that's a small structure i made to die you know mm. they try to get one big one really big structure mm-hmm. with a lot a lot of uh, dairy cows of cows and then uh, and uh, and the small structure are to yeah that's really sad. So you have the same problems that we have here with the small producers being pushed yeah. out and yeah. everything becoming large. Are they a corporate structure or um, is it yeah. like a family operation that just grew really big? Yeah, that's usually that's family operation, but corporation are there too. And then uh, huh, that's a lot of business, you know, and then and it's not going good. Mm-hmm. It's not going good. Mm-hmm. And because I'm, I have been in... in in the corner of my mind, you know that uh, we go to all, to artificial meat buildings and those kind of fucking stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. And, uh, mm-hmm. But it will be easily with big big companies they could change. Mm-hmm. You know, I think they they play double games. Mm-hmm. Um, we have that kind of problem in in France. You know, they are playing double games. So, Did you see that during COVID too? That um, because of the move away from. Uh, small producers that mm. the 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 supply chain was disrupted more greatly with yeah. with more animals or more agriculture production farms etc being in the hands of the big companies they're less able to uh, you know get the product out to stores out to people yeah sure um it's uh, covid was uh, mixing up the old stuff or shaking the old stuff mm-hmm. and now the thing is that uh, small structure can move quickly than big structure. 
Mm-hmm. So, and that saved them because if you need to change something, if you have a, a bunch of 100 heads, it's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. If you have a bunch of 1,400, it's going to be more complicated. Mm-hmm. And then what's ha- that's what's happening. People in their mind are changing their mind also. At our range, we have not a problem because we are making some, I don't know if it's a correct word in English, but direct selling, you know. Yes. So we're direct to the customers. Mm-hmm. They like that. They are happy to come at our place. And we refuse to going in the usual s- circuit. Yes. So they, everybody's trying to push us. The bank, the sellers, everybody wants mm-hmm. to push us in that, way, that direction. But we don't want to go there because I want to be able to choose if I want to do this or that, and I want to be able to to keep my cow at the ranch, you know, that's not a matter. It doesn't matter for me. Right. So because you're off too short in lands, and you are too pushing too much to producing, so they are just waiting that you are struggled, and then they'll they for come you. for you. Yeah, they come for you. They said, okay, I'm going to give you a, just a, a piece of money for your cows, and then uh, so you're completely struggle, and then you're obliged to do what they they want you to do right we've talked before too even about the market prices and and then the trouble with the the price the producers get versus the price the packers get and yeah. it's remarkable to me how it's pretty much identical right down to the price mm. yeah uh, between the united states and france and and it's really you know i don't think a lot of people realize this is a global issue not just oh, yeah, sure. um, particular to one country no, it's a global market, and they are playing with. That's like the war in Ukraine, you know. Mm-hmm. They are playing with it, but that's just tricking the stuff, you know, to increase the price of everything. But mm-hmm. uh, that's a that's a world issue. That's sure. That's a problem because we don't have the guidelines on it. Right. So I I kind of diverted from where we were going with you know how you ended up where you're at now in France and and you know. You walk us through that, you know, when you decided to, did, did you know before you came to France bef- that you, what, what you had in mind that you wanted to do? Let's say, yeah, I had it. And then uh, I was wanting to build up a ranch and then having cattle on it and then uh, <clears throat> make also horse training. And then, so I had the idea of that and then it works. It works uh, as we, we want it. And I forgot to um, have you mention or talk about when you left the United States, you didn't leave with just a suitcase, right? <laughs> what do you mean by that? <laughs> <laughs> Did you have some horses that you moved to France? No, I didn't. I didn't, but um, because, uh, you know, where I'm in Brittany, they couldn't afford it. Here it's really dry and there it's really wet, you know. Okay. So... We discussed with Jacob to see if uh, we can bring the horses back, but it costs a lot of money. It's about five, four, four thousand five hundred to bring them there. So okay, for some reason I thought your stallion was from the U.S. Yeah, I bought a stallion from the U.S. Yeah, yeah. Boonlight uh, Ruani. That's a son of a, a Boonlight Dancer. Uh-huh. Um, that's a horse of Todd Bergen. Okay. Yeah, I was reading and uh, for the working cow horse fraternity. Okay, so. You, um, I guess, going back, you got you found this land in France. Yeah. And then, how did you decide to develop it and the develop the business? I decided to do, to develop it just I I was doing here in the U.S. You know, in Arizona, 
and then uh, it works. <laughs> people, people are telling me that I was crazy because I'm wearing my cowboy hat all the time, you know, in the city. <laughs> they were looking at me like I was a coming from out of space, you know. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> these are these are your neighbors, probably. Yeah, and the yeah, people what the, the heck is yeah. that guy? <laughs> so, uh, but. Um, but it works. They this they saw that uh, we were doing the job pretty well, mm-hmm. and so they changed a bit their mind and were curious and asking questions and and now we have really good relation with our neighbors and then you ask us to come to help them. I develop also um, uh, in France a kind of a kind of a team or uh, so they can bring down cows. From the from the pasture when they go in the mountains or when they are in the, some areas that's really difficult to go with uh, with quad or something like this we go with horse and they're making some horseback riding there yeah and it works pretty well it was amazing so in 2019 Jacob and I went to France yeah. to to your region which is Brittany yeah and um, here we are we're driving down the driveway when we get to your house and we have American <coughs> and Arizona flag and it looks like um, you know, any outside of it being very green and lush because yeah, because true. you have that sort of uh, client, um, you know, you, it, the the barn, everything, a Ford pickup truck that you yeah, imported indeed, from yeah. South Africa, it it looked like it was a uh, you know definitely somewhere in the United States. Uh, you know, uh, my heart stays in Arizona for sure. Mm-hmm. So I was trying just to reproduce to make it less difficult not going here mm-hmm. so too much time but uh, um, I'm so proud to be to be here I would like to say um, that's uh, I was reborn under a cowboy heart and that's, uh, that's yeah. the way it is so I'm so proud to be uh, um, and I'm I don't want to say that I'm a cowboy because I have so many respectful cowboys mm-hmm. and um, but I'm trying to be a good one yes so um I try to be, and I'm so I'm so respectful for them and who they are or hard their life is mm-hmm. that um and I'm proud of them. Yeah, I I know Jacob loves talking horses with you because I think you know he clearly has a very technical um, background, mm. functional background, yeah. riding horses and roping, and because <clears throat> he's been doing that all his life, and um, I know he's very I guess proud of you and uh, very respectful because. You know, while you came into this a little later in life, you know, you just have absorbed so much technique and the technical training background and, um, you know, you're you're an exceptional resource. And we're grateful to have you here at Indian Thank Springs you. Thank Ranch. Thank you, Vanessa. Yeah, because, um, you know, you've been working with our staff and... and um, evaluating and training some of our younger horses or horses with problems and, yeah. uh, you know... I just can't, I just have to say, good job. Excellent. <laughs> Thank you, Vanessa. <laughs> a pleasure is all mine. So in addition to, um, you know, th- this operation that you have, which is mm-hmm. like, um, what would you call it? A Western equitation uh, school or? Yeah. Oh, we have two different things, uh, you know. Just we have the school that would like to make a cowboy school. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, in another way, we have the ranch, ranching business. That's two different parts for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, a cowboy school. I want to preserve that legacy. You know, mm-hmm. that's very important yeah, because I think that here in the U.S. you're going to be a lack of uh, getting a lack of real cowboys mm-hmm. because 
life is hard, you know. They prefer right. to go almost probably to the radio or doing stuff like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, but radio is already it's still good. Right, right. <laughs> but uh, some of young people are preferring to play with their phone instead of <laughs> getting, getting out on there. a horse. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Um, the when Jacob and I were there for the wedding too, yeah. it, it, it's I, I'll have to put some pictures on the website too because it was you wouldn't know you were in France. Mm based on all of your guests yeah. because it was really beautiful to see a beautiful ceremony, beautiful wife, beautiful bride, yes, handsome groom. Um, but everyone was in Western dress as if they, you know, were, were just out riding through the Chiricahuas or the Wallapai Mountains and yeah. came into town for a wedding. Yeah, we have that kind of community in France too, you know, that people there are... Um, there are no cowboys really. They are just um, ranchers or um, cutters or team penners or ranch sorters. Of, uh, but um, we have the same idea in our mind. We are f- trying to fight every day to defend that kind of legacy and then uh, the way it should be. And that's not some sometimes not easy in France because you have that traditional way to ride, mm-hmm. uh, French style or English style, and that's really opposed to the. Western style, mm-hmm. and so it's, sometimes it's not easy to mm-hmm. to manage that opposition. So. One of the things that Arthur, who is also from France that yeah. works for us, mentioned to me when I was asking about the differences in horsemanship, he was saying, you know, primarily in France they're riding, they might ride different horses. Yeah. Um, a lot of times it's like a jumper or a hunter, mm-hmm. and they're riding primarily in a arena or a controlled environment, and and that they often lack the relationship with their horse. And mm. would you say that the people that are doing your school, um, uh, the, the people that are trying to live a, a more Western ranch lifestyle, do you feel like their um, relationship with their horse, or the cattle, the animals, everything is a yeah. little bit different? Yeah, certainly. Um, after the COVID, it's increasing because people are, trying to have another kind of life, you know, and they can manage where they well where they they're good in. And say so they are most probably for some of them they are changing their values too and see differently to lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And so what we propose over there at the ranch for us like us like ours, it's um it's that kind of a of a life, you know. Um kind of unstressful life. Busy, sure. Mm-hmm. We're working hard, but with new uh, new skills, new values, new everything, mm-hmm. and then uh, it's working. And certainly for uh, horsemanship, um, that's a good point. That's a good point. I will say that we are maybe in advance now. Mm-hmm. We were a bit late in the, those kind of techniques, but now we are a bit in advance compared to the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, and that it should be because uh, the people people looking at us, you mm-hmm. know, what we are doing with horses, and so as you mentioned before, uh, the animal welfare is over there too. So some of those guys don't want us to ride them horse. Mm-hmm. So it's important to show them that we consider the horse. We have a relation with the horse. Those are not petting horse. Those are not tricking horse. Mm-hmm. But we have some methods to have some agreements for the horse, from mm-hmm. the horse, doing stuff. 
That's important, you know. Mm -hmm. I think for the horsemanship is over there. That's not making a horse laying down mm -hmm. or making come in the center of the arena if you if you run. Um, it's a question of respect. It's a question of leadership of your horse. It's a question of talking to the horse and get a relation, to get a, getting an exchange with your horse. Even if the question is all mates, you know, yeah. you ask something, the, resp the response, you know it, but, uh, <laughs> but you, you ask the question. Right, right. Um, and I noticed you're reading the Temple Grandin book also. Yeah. Um, and that, are you looking at um, uh, to utilize some of that work with, uh, you know, her work is mostly with cattle, so you're yeah. looking to put that into your cattle operation, or are yeah. there also some tools you think that would apply to uh, two of horses. them, you know. I think the cows are, are not stupid animals, you know. They are. Um, I think that they can be good at handling. It's not worse, you know. Mm -hmm. it, it's it's not costing you much to do things well instead of to do things wrong. Mm -hmm. And uh, um, the the book of Temple Grandin is really nice to this, you know, for to have an idea of what they are thinking about, how you can manage easily. Softly, uh, because it's uh, it's it's good for your meat, and uh, it's good for the weight. It's good for the disease. It's a uh, it's working for you. Then I don't want uh, people chasing my cows all around the place, make them run as hell. You know, mm -hmm. I hate that. And then uh, so try to teach people. But even the the guys that have some farm from years and years and years, they don't know how to do it. Right. That's impressive. You know, we we lost a bunch of cows. In France, just and we we need to shoot them just because they don't know how they bring back in the, in, in the ranch. Oh wow! Because they, they they become wildy, they try to chase them. I don't know how, and then we are obliged to kill them because they they're too crazy after it. But um, so I think the well animal welfare we should have a look at. That's we don't be stupid and oppose yourself to those guys. Right. But be smart, you know. Yeah. We try to, um, and, and I think this is maybe a concept that maybe old timers, uh, like like Billy's generation. Yeah. yeah. I don't think they necessarily disagree, but I think they they are not as quick as to people our age that are coming sure. up. Um, but we, on our operations, we try to stress welfare mm. as different than rights, yeah. and so. Uh, like you said, it's important. It's a, important to acknowledge the welfare, yeah. and you know, make sure that we're we're handling them ethically. And and in the end, it affects positively our bottom line sure. because we have happy animals, calm animals. That's it. We can work them safely um, with less staff, mm. uh, less cowboys. You know that sort of thing. And um, it. I think, like we were riding yesterday out to yeah. look at the cows, most of our cows are very calm because again, we yes, always work them calmly. Mm -hmm. We try to. Uh, and um, everybody that works around me and my um, our family and our staff, they know I hate noise yeah, when we're too. working the cattle <laughs> or any animal. Like, you don't have to yell and scream at them and all this, you know, and yeah. recognizing like their flight zone and how they move and it's so easy, you know, that. when you, you, you study a bit of where they are it's so easy to manage, you know. Mm -hmm. We discussed about that uh, with Jacob, you know, that guy here around that wants to remove his bull from the herd. And so he was chasing the, the bull to put him in the corral. 
and then uh, the, the, the bull was it becomes crazy about that and this and that. Say, mm-hmm. what the heck? Put all the punch in the corral and sort the cows out. Right. And the bull stays in. Yeah. So you work with the herd nature. Yeah. Instead of fight the nature. Yeah, indeed. So, <laughs> okay. I learned that the hard way working bison. Yeah. Because uh, one time I had a small number of bison and I was trying to cut one out of the herd. Mm. And of course, that was going nowhere fast. And then now you realize. I'm making a 2,000-pound animal, the the bull in the herd, a little angry, and I'm on a, uh, I think I was on a quad at the time, but some people were on foot with flags also. It's like, okay, we need to stop and reevaluate because this is going to get dangerous. (laughs) Yeah, sure. Yeah, sure, you know. And that's the the way it should be, you know. Uh, I think so. So your operation in France is doing good. You have the... um, you, you're starting to travel out and do some um, horsemanship Clinic. clinics, clinics, that yeah. sort of thing. Oh, yeah, all uh-huh. over the place. Yeah. And then you have uh, people that do board and do, do some. Yeah. Do they take some clinics at your facility. Yeah, they take some lessons, um, riding lessons at the ranch, and do some. I'm doing some clinics outside of the ranch, mm-hmm. and then uh, yeah, we do it. Great. And then you have your cattle. Yeah. Now, the cattle that are on your ranch in Brittany, are they the same ones that you drive on the Pyrenees up in, no. in Spain? Mm-hmm. No, those are on the ranch, those are Hereford in and, um, uh, in the Pyrenees. And what was that? Um, uh, that was a great cow, you know, the Cunning Mountains. I don't remember the name. It kind of looks almost like our Coriani cows, right? They've got some horns. Uh, and a maybe bit a little bit build. bigger and fatter, I okay. think. So with okay. good, good feet, that could be in kind of a nice cows here. I don't know, but but I don't know about the heat for them. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, yeah, I, I forgot the name of it. And you do you do that twice a year? Do you ride that mountain or just once uh, a year? Three times a year okay. we go in the mountains. Oh, three times? Yeah. And how many people do you take... Um, we take about 20 riders down there. Okay. And then, um, so because the, the area is really big and then, uh, maybe the, the difficulty over there is, the, um, that, um, that's a mix up of herds belong mm-hmm. some many people. Oh, sure. So, uh, they are not used to be together. That's the, that's the part that's really difficult. So you The sp- people aren't used to being together or the cattle. Cattle, okay, because uh, they belongs to to other ranchers. Sometimes mm-hmm. there are bulls, so till they are in the mountains, no problem because they they, they are apart. You know, a, a bunch there, another bunch over there, another bunch over there. But we go up there, and we need to bring them down. We're gonna bring everybody down. So sometimes it's difficult because they're fighting over there and the While you're trying to move them, yeah, yeah. Then you try to make him make him down. Yeah, we. Um, <coughs> You know, up on the mountain here in Arizona, sometimes we also have people that are running their cattle together, and then, yeah. then they get them all down and have to sort them all off. Um, but there was one other similarity that we were talking about the other day, which a lot of people may not realize. Like um, in Arizona, in the mountains, we are having a lot of depredation by wolves, and the mm, wolves are mm, becoming right, an yeah. issue. And you were saying that also in France, yeah. Uh, in Spain, the wolves are quite uh, yeah bears and wolves. So those kind of wildlife, yes. So they start killing, uh, killing livestock, and then of course, if you you have some cows killed by a wolf or bears, 
I have nothing against wolves or bears, but you know, you are not really happy when they are eating your your livestock. Yeah. Does so. the government have any problem, any programs there to re- compensate producers? Yeah, they are. They have, they have. But um, let's say money is not making everything. Mm-hmm. So if you have a good cow over there, that's just, uh, wow. and then she, she she was killed by a bear. You know, it's not going to be replaced by money. Right. They should know about that. So. Or sometimes you can find them just falling down from the cliff, you know, and a bunch of 20 heads down there dead because they were afraid of by, by the wolf of the bear and they jump out. Oh, so, gosh. So it happens, you know. And so, uh, you know, I like wildlife and I, I like animals too, but uh, that's what all the time the same. It's always one direction or the opposite that's not in between eh? we need to find something in between sure uh, because uh, wildlife has of course they are coming from there we agree with that but the, the men are over there too mm-hmm. so what are we going to do or no more livestock down up there so how's going to be the grazing how's going to be the landscape so everything the nature is going to take care of it so mm-hmm. everything is going to close as I don't know, sometimes I'm asking myself that they want it, you know. Well, in here, and I imagine it's somewhat the same there when you when you get up in the mountains. <clears throat> the wildlife on our ranch rely on our waters. Mm. You know, we we're maintaining the waters and we're providing the water, and it's um, you know for our cattle and horses, but yeah. also it's for for the bighorn sheep, it's for the bobcats, sure. the mountain lions, the bears, the deer the quail, everything else. And I would imagine that even in, in Spain and France, it's similar. Yeah, it's similar, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, the, and then you're also, did, did I hear you and Arthur talking that there's also wolves that are coming up into Brittany? and We saw one of them. Uh-huh. Uh, we saw one of them in Brittany. So that's far away from the Pyrenees, where they're coming from, but mm-hmm. uh, their territory is really big. Uh-huh. So, um, so I think that's a male up there. And okay, uh, I don't know. We don't know how it's going to work. I have my idea, but uh, mm-hmm. because you can't get some wolf all around the houses, because it's going to come. It's going to start with with that kind of land, you know, wide land. Mm-hmm. But they come out to home to get food. Right. So what we're going to do? You're going to get a bear in your kitchen. Right. So right. <laughs> The North American model of conservation is one of the most successful models in the world. Um, And for some reason, uh, especially in the United States, when it comes to large predators um, or this predator reintroduction, a lot of those principles of the North American model of conservation are just thrown out the window. Uh So, you know, basically with that model, the the animal has value. Because, you know, we, we have some uh, management practices that allow for the taking of that oh, animal okay. and uh, through hunting and that sort of thing. And I know people will argue, oh, well, the population isn't uh, established enough to be hunted. But at the same time, um, it has no value. Hmm. And then also when that animal um, population starts to threaten the livelihoods of other people or even their health and safety or their health and safety of their animals and and um, on their property it just decreases the value even more mm-hmm. so like what's in it for me why should I care um, about the you know what's going on here when 
you know, it threatens my livelihood and, yeah, and this yeah. sort of thing. So I, I don't know why that is. Um, the, the, the model's very good, though. It's helped our bison recover, our elk recover, uh, a lot of game birds and all of this sort of thing. But uh, probably just for largely politics, uh, political Truly. reasons, um, we don't apply those principles um, evenly. And do you know much about the hunting regulations in France? I know Arthur was saying like it's it's kind of like the king's deer theory in that it's very expensive to um, harvest deer or hunt the deer. And you know what? Um, I don't know. It's um, it's kind of a weird management because uh, um, let's say there are many deers at our place. There are many deers, and then but they are not allowed to kill them or hunting them, or yeah, just four. But there are sixteen of them, and uh, so it's making some uh, some problems in the fields, in the corn, and also all those th- all those things. It's mm-hmm. also the case with uh, wild pigs. Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, I don't know how they manage the stuff, you know, and uh, it's complicated. It's mm-hmm. really complicated because it's a question of politics. Mm-hmm. So it's it's quitting the the real reality, you know, mm-hmm. of uh, on the ground. That's what we do now. Because uh, and sometimes you know the hunters also are a pity because uh, some of them are raising. And I was really against it, raising animals to. to to kill them or to shoot them, mm-hmm. what the heck? In a really small area. Yeah, uh, what the heck? Yeah. You are you you, you you are breeding some squirrels to put them up and they kill them. Yeah, um, squirrels. Oh, I say squirrels. Okay, okay. For, for example, example, okay, gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I should be doing as a squirrel ranch. Yeah, voila. <laughs> I think it's, it's it can be funny. Right, right. Roping a squirrel, that's, that's, not, that's really not easy. <laughs> <laughs> but if you can, if if you can you rope do a, that, then you're a super puncher. Ah, super puncher, yeah, <laughs> we like that. <laughs> I love, too, like we've been exchanging all week our favorite Dale Brisby yeah, uh, moments. He, and he's that, famous, even in France, you know. Yeah. Guys usually don't know what he's saying, but he's famous. <laughs> <laughs> they don't understand the full No, context. they don't understand the stuff, but he's too famous, <laughs> and so, uh, so people are laughing at it, don't know about it. That's what he's talking about. Yeah, yesterday we were riding out to check fences and you and Jacob were so funny. Whoa, boon. Whoa, boon. <laughs> <laughs> and I like, too, we were making uh, those jokes about um, Arthur, uh, about um, we uh, being the French Dale Brisby, and uh, yeah. we were going to bring him a yeah. head. That we're he gonna, <laughs> yeah, we are going to buy him some underwear with <laughs> Dale Brisby underwears. So... <laughs> Well, it's. Uh, I hope people that are listening can really appreciate. You know, there's, uh, you know, far more that we have in common. Yeah. Uh, across the seas. Yeah, I hope so. Know? Yeah, they should know that they are not alone. You know, because I know that uh, that we discussed yesterday that uh, a ranch life is really hard. Mm-hmm. And uh, as we said, you know, as he says on the Yellowstone movie. Mm-hmm. That's the our goal is to break even, mm-hmm. and he's right. Uh, that's a really hard part. That's really hard. Life is hard and everything. So, and some people can feel isolated. Say, I'm alone in here and I'm doing stuff, but uh, I have contact with nobody. But there are people that are taking care of them. Right. I think too often as producers, like we're just focused on the day to day and what's in front of us. And yeah. I mean, sometimes 
I had some range uh, rangeland management meeting last week and a wolf meeting last week, and um, I'm not even paying attention to what my neighbors are going through. Yeah. Like, I, you know, I have an, a rough idea, like, oh, <clears throat> these people have wolves, um, and then I'm hearing this, the stories about yeah. this woman who's, you know, she, she sent her cattle off the mountain uh, to calve because last year the wolves got pretty much all of her calf crop uh-huh. and she brings them back on the mountain and they're literally in the pasture outside her door and uh, five calves killed within oh, a month. A pity. Um, she finds one cow like half eaten and she's doing everything she can. Like she's got a range rider um, and but she's only maybe two or three miles from me and I had no idea and and you know we get we can get caught up in our our daily lives and not know what our neighbors are doing, but also, um, you know, our neighbors across the pond too are just as important because yeah. I, I feel that it's, it's really, a the issues that we face are, are very much on a global scale. And, um, you know, like you mentioned the, the politics behind Ukraine and the shortages that we're all going to yeah. be facing, whether we're feeding ourselves or feeding our livestock, um, you know, these, these are things that, there's not a country that's not affected right now. Yeah, sure. Sure. It will be, I think, uh, I don't know, you know, I could, uh, that's, com- that's a discussion. That's a, uh, in France, you have that um, opposition of, um, uh, they call that, uh, what do you call that, farms and so on, and then um, the landscape and, uh, and the city. They, they are opposed to yes. all those way of life. So for them, we are supposed to live in the city, mm-hmm. everybody, mm-hmm. because they can manage us easily. And so they provide everything. So if they provide everything, they're mastering everything, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that's what they try. When you are self-sufficient, it, they hate that because they have no control on you. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know it's gonna, how it's going to be in the future, but I've, I've, that's a, a really a break between you know, those two manners or two, two lifestyles. Mm-hmm. And I hope they will let us be. Mm-hmm. Maybe you have you will have no medicine at, the, at your place. Maybe mm-hmm. you have not all the service at your place. But if they can let it, let, let it be like this, it's going to be okay. You see yeah. what I mean? Yeah, Arthur was telling me too in the in the rural countryside in France, like property is pretty inexpensive anymore yeah, because sure. there's nobody living there under so, 65. No, and you know, when you are looking at, they are working on it because I think the increase of the pet- petrol, gasoline, the yeah. increase of that price, it's participated that kind of stuff too because mm-hmm. you don't want to live at uh, one hour and a half or two hours from your job, you know, because mm-hmm. it's going to cost you too much. Right. So you're going to come back to the city. Yeah. See, that's the way it, it, it is. And I think that's, and I'm not a completist, you know, but. Yeah. You should look at what's happening out there, right. and if you analyze all these objectively, mm, seems like a plan. You know, right. it's everything is not made like this. It's planning. In uh, during COVID, it seemed very obvious from the position where we were, which is in, you know, we were in um, an area where we could be self-sufficient. Yeah. So we knew we weren't going to starve. Yeah. Um, we had some um, concerns about feeding our animals. Mm. You know, having the money to do that sort of thing, yeah. but we knew we wouldn't starve um, because we can we can hunt, we can produce our own food, all yeah. of this. And then you look in the cities, 
and uh, you know, there's a real panic there. Uh, yeah, and, sure. And I saw this as recently as just a couple months ago, still mm-hmm. because there was additional supply chain uh, disruptions because um, we we have the zoo uh, back east, and yeah, um, you know, for for what you're saying too. Not only were they was there the panic, but also it's very evident that there's the control aspect of sure. that. Sure, sure, mm-hmm. it is. And uh, for some stuff, they are not going to go back. You know, right? I think they they are passing a certain level that will never return. Right, because the people that I was speaking with, um, this was in Virginia, outside of D.C. Like, it would never occur to them that okay, what what can I do to be more self sufficient? Other than just you know buy more toilet paper yeah, and yeah. canned goods when when can get them, um, so those those urbanite sort of people. It's I mean there there are people that left California for example mm-hmm. and and have been settling in Arizona and are trying to hobby farm and that sort of thing. But definitely the masses that are in the urbanized areas. I yeah. don't think it's really occurring to them like um, that. And or is I don't think it always occurs to them how important it is like you and I stay on our land. Yeah. Because if you and I leave, then they're really uh, up a creek without a paddle. Sure. Mm-hmm. Sure, I think so. So we get we have you back here at Indian Springs Ranch for a few more days. Thank you, Vanessa. Yeah. <laughs> if I survive. If you survive. <laughs> Poor Dee Dee. I'm so grateful that you did this interview because uh, I, I don't know if uh, it's coming across the airwaves as we record, but you came down with a terrible cold about yeah, two days ago. And indeed. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to poke you full of chicken soup later and tea, as I promised your beautiful wife, who's holding down the ranch yeah, in France. Indeed, yeah. And uh, I'll stick you back in bed, because I, I promised her I'd take care of you. Um, what are there? You have a few days left. Uh, if we can get you kind of recovered uh, today, what are some of the last things on your Arizona bucket list for this trip? Huh. That's a question. <laughs> that, <you're> hoping, <laughs> you, you, that you want to do before you go back. Um, invite you to the restaurant. I told you that. Okay. Go to dinner for sure. <laughs> go to dinner. And uh, no, make, I don't know. I'm so good here. Just, just being here, you know. I don't need nothing else. Yeah. So, no, I'm... I'm I'm good. <laughs> We're gonna go to the tax store, though, right? Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Most probably to buy some stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll go try to go to Wickenburg or Prescott or. Both. Yeah, yeah. I would like to to buy some uh, some stuff from from here because uh, if I bought them, make them by internet coming, it's uh, gonna go, be a big good price. Yeah, well, and I don't know. Arthur's mother sent him spurs from France a month ago, or maybe. Six weeks. I don't think he's gotten them yet either, so we always have to worry about that. But that's weird to 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 send some spurs from France to here. <laughs> I I think I think perhaps because he was working in Montana and South Dakota. Uh, okay. I think they they came, originated here and uh, okay. he took them back. I Sounds think. good. So anyway, well, thank you again. Um, I we I can't tell you how much we love you enough. Thank you, I'm and and we're grateful to have you here. And uh, we have to go back to France. Yeah. Sure, surely, surely. I most um, welcome. Yeah, it's very, very dear to my heart as well. Maybe as much as uh, Arizona is to yours. Thank you. Take care of you. All right. Thank you, Didi. Thanks for listening to the Desert Ranch podcast. We hope we gave you a good look into the lives of those that care for land and livestock far past the nine to five lifestyle. 
Until we talk again, have a fantastic week.